Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, listeners, and um, welcome to Homo Sapiens Extra. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm standing in a bandstand of all things in um, sunny Adelaide, where I'm currently residing. Park Ten is what it's called, which I think is really interesting. It's just called Park Ten. Not a lot of soul there. Couldn't we have called it something? I'm looking out over a series of football pitches with a series of football matches going on. Rather timely, given we were talking about sport last week. But I've popped myself here because it's a nice sunny day. I sort of try and get out and about when I'm talking to you lot now because get some fresh air, some sun on my skin. I'm watching one team, well, two teams, because they're playing each other. <clears throat> Nothing escapes me when it comes to sport. They're playing each other. They're wearing the coloured bibs which I remember from school, brings me out in hives. But they're playing with very, very tiny goals. Does anyone know where that is? They've got enormous goals there behind them. And then what they've, they've put in front, tiny little yellow goals. Speaking of football, do you know what I was invited to this week? I was invited to an Aussie Rules football game. Aussie Rules, not like rugby, not like football, soccer. Sort of its own thing. Don't know the rules. Clues in the title, maybe. For Port Adelaide. Now, Port Adelaide are one of the two local teams. From my understanding, you choose one of the two local teams. I can't remember what the other one's called. You know, it's important you stick to your team. So I kind of said, look, I don't really want to go. I'm not interested. Well, more fool me, because what I hadn't done was Google the Port Adelaide team. Uh, At which point, Travis Boak came into my field of view, who is the very handsome captain of the Port Adelaide team. I highly recommend any of those who identify as being attracted to um, men, have a look. He's a very handsome man. So me and Port Adelaide will have to meet another time because my ticket was given away. I was really excited about going and they sent me a video actually. I think it would have been really fun. And I shouldn't be playing into the stereotype that as a gay man I don't like sport. I don't think the two should be linked. I'm just saying... I don't like football separately from me being gay. Although I know that lots of my friends and lots of the people listening will relate. Other things that have piqued my interest this week was a wonderful Instagram post by Little Nas X. Did you guys see it? It was so beautiful what he did. So he released this new video. First things first, the video is amazing. It's it's him like... um, I think sort of having sex with the devil and uh, pole dancing and doing lots of great queer stuff. But what he also did was, as he uh, shared the video, he also wrote himself a letter to his younger self. And it says, I'm going to read it. Here you go. 
Um, Dear 14-year-old Montero, which is him, I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer. I know we promised never to come out publicly. I know we promised to never be that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with the secret, but this will open doors for many other queer people to simply exist. You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda. But the truth is I am. The agenda to make people stay the fuck out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be. Sending you love from the future, Lil Nas X. How lovely is that? And how relatable is that? You know, it's sort of that kind of second coming out that you do, which is when you identify as queer you sort of want to make yourself a palatable version of it and you know he's doing that within the culture of pop music as well which is yes there's always been a history of pushing boundaries of sexuality and gender identity in pop music however it is also a mass market medium in which trying to sell records and being overtly different is definitely a consideration as far as i know so I cannot say enough congratulations and send enough love to Lil Nas X for doing that because you will be providing hope and a ray of connection to so many young queer kids. So sending you a ton of love. It really cheered me up saying that. Now it's coming up to Easter here. I'm actually feeling quite sporty as well because I'm wearing, I went to a new shop in Adelaide called Cotton On which is kind of like, I don't think we have a version of it in the UK. It's sort of um, loads of cotton clothes, simple basics. I love it. I've got loads of clothes because um, I haven't brought a lot of clothes with me to Australia. So I'm currently wearing what looks like a full... I've got some sports shorts, sports t-shirt, which I'm currently wearing. Have you noticed how we sort of just now live in sportswear? That's what people's casual wear is. Like if, if someone's just like rolling around town they'll just have sports gear on and it's really funny because when i was watching married at first sight season six still a masterpiece one of the people on it was saying that she always wore like yoga gear but never did the yoga bit she just liked wearing it because it was fun and i could totally relate to that i actually just like getting up in the morning and just putting it on I find it like the simplest way to be dressed so that means you don't have to think about it and then if you feel like doing some exercise you can which I did do today. Very proud of myself. I did something called conditioning um, with uh, a trainer called Dean, who I'm working with here, who's working with. That makes me sound like I'm... There's a trainer who's making me do stuff occasionally. Uh, he's such a lovely man and has really sort of inspired me regarding exercise. Why is this turning into a podcast about exercise? Don't know. But I've been doing exercise since the beginning of lockdown because when the world started to melt, I was like, I'm going to do some exercise. It'll give me some routine. Great, great, great. So I've been doing it three, four times a week for a whole year now because we have just hit the anniversary of a year of lockdown. And he was talking about doing before and after photos. So like you keep taking pictures of your body to track your progress, which actually in principle, I'm not interested in because I think that makes me focus on the wrong things. However, I did take a photo of myself a year ago. I did then take a photo of myself yesterday. (sighs) I will remind you that I have been exercising three to four times a week for a year. So, decided, I'm not into this stuff, but I'm going to compare the two photos. Let's have a look. Drum roll. Absolutely no difference whatsoever. 
Which is actually rubbish because in the pictures I didn't look different, but I actually feel different. And I sort of do look a bit different if I look from certain angles. And it's not why I do it anyway, but, um, you know, sort of thought I might have looked like Tom Daly in the most recent one. But, you know, Um, shall I remind you what Homo Sapiens Extra is since we're here? Homo Sapiens Extra is you, the listener's episode. So we read your emails, we read your feedback, we talk about stuff, we do topic of the week. This week we're talking about moving in together as we reach an, a year-long anniversary of lockdown. Couples who've been stuck staring at each other's faces for a full year. We're asking, does moving in together ruin your sex life? Some studies say it is. Only you can tell us what you think. We do Agony Uncling and we do Culture Club. Plus, I'll be calling the one and only Karen Gurney, a.k.a. The Sex Doctor on Instagram, or one word. She is a psychosexologist who is also queer and she's going to come talk to us about our topic of the week and talking about how moving in together affects sex with the partner and a whole ton of other stuff. She's so brilliant. She just demystifies a lot of things to do with sex and relationships. And when I say relationships, I don't necessarily mean long-term relationships. I'm talking about interpersonal relationships of any of the romantic kind. That can be a one-night stand. It can be a 10-second stand. Whatever that is. I mean, we've all been there. Um, but first of all, what did you think of our lovely chat with Alok, um, which was last week? If you haven't listened to it, go back and have a listen do you know what really stayed with me is all the stuff about the gender binary and how it's a construct that was recently created and how I've been looking at so much stuff recently. There is a really cool Instagram account by someone called She Does Him. So She Does Him is an Instagram account by Alison Graham. How a Jamaican-born, this is what her profile says, how a Jamaican-born dyke found her niche with menswear. She just posts loads of really interesting stuff. I've been sharing it on the Instagram stories about how masculinity and femininity and how being a woman does not mean you have to be feminine or you can be masculine. And then someone else posted something this week about that, about masculinity and then all the traits that they are and then femininity and all the traits that they are. So masculinity was like um, aggressive, focused, competitive, like I'm slightly making these up, but and then femininity what femininity was um communicative, emotional and then there was a, sort of this argument going on in the comments underneath saying like how could you say that? How reductive, etc. etc. And the person who posted it, which I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, I wish I could kind of said this really interesting thing, which was that I wasn't talking about masculinity I, I wrote sort of saying I wrote masculinity because that's what it says in the dictionary about what these traits are I wasn't saying they were male or female and I think when we hear masculinity we think male and when we hear femininity we hear female and actually what I think has probably bugged me most in my entire life is not my gayness not that my gayness bugged me but you know it is often a, it is often a discussion that being gay and all of that can be traumatic and obviously it was an experience which wasn't the easiest of my life and I'm very very happy now I'm lucky to say but I think another part of it was the thing that people really got under my skin about was the fact that I didn't really I was a man who didn't have many masculine traits had lots of feminine traits and that really pissed people off I don't actually think people really cared about my sexuality. I think they cared about my femininity. And it's just been really interesting 
seeing all that kind of stuff being chatted about more and more. And this week, just a few things coming up, even that Lil Nas X video and he's pole dancing and stuff. And the reaction to that video, which is, it's been said that it's really shocking. And he's just mixing femininity and masculinity, quite frankly. That's all it is. And Alok's interview talking about the construct that is the gender binary is very relevant there. And it was so lovely to talk to them. And they're such a laugh. And all the stuff they do around positivity and feeling proud of the person you are, no matter what you are, is just a ray of sunshine. So if you haven't heard it, please, goodness me, go and have a listen. And if you had, tell a friend or listen again. I love listening to our episodes when we get the edits. It makes me so happy. Speaking of being happy, do you know what else makes me happy? Your emails. So I'm going to read some. Let's have a look. Let's head over to the inbox. That's me tapping. That wasn't a very good impression of tapping keys. Can you hear those police sirens? Crime in Adelaide. One of the things I love about being in Australia and in Adelaide is it feels so calm and safe all the time. I always feel safe. Anyway, speaking of Australia, let's read a message from Rick in Australia. Hi, lovely Chris. Hi, lovely Rick. Thanks. It's so wonderful to hear that you're hanging out in Australia. Rick, I was just talking about that. I'm a South Londoner originally. Same here. Wimbledon. Well, Southfields, actually. No one knows where Southfields is, so I always say Wimbledon. I'm a South Londoner originally that moved over to Australia five years ago, and listening to your voice makes me feel like I'm wonderfully at home. Ah, Rick, that's so funny, because isn't it... Do you remember the Tom Allen episode? If no one's listened to it, please go and listen, because it will... Uh, cheer you up no end he's so, so lovely he, he was like you're from Wimbledon aren't you um you know we do all we can to try and not seem like just boring repetition of our past and here I am sounding like Wimbledon um that used to bother me doesn't anymore um I'm lying it does much love from a kindred spirit says Rick thanks Rick thanks so much for getting in touch now we've got a voice note from Matthew who is also loving the podcast pleased to see that he describes himself as a rural gay. I love nothing more, Matthew. Um, which is probably explains the wind on the voice note he left us. Hello there. Just wanted to drop you a little voice note to say how much I am enjoying the podcast at the moment. And being a rural gay, not having much connection with the rest of our people at the moment. And also the podcasts have helped me to give an insight into the sections of our queer culture that um, I really wasn't aware of. So thank you for educating me. Matthew, thank you so much for getting in touch and what a lovely message. Sad that your message has come just as uh, it's clear that this has turned into a sports podcast and is no longer an LGBTQ plus podcast as I seem to be a football commentator now as a full-time profession as I sit looking at three football matches. I think it's football anyway. Could be cricket. What a lovely message though. What is really nice is about that message is I was thinking about this because I was reading online about kids and trans rights and um, puberty blockers and the sort of furore around kids taking puberty blockers in America. And I was thinking about how as a kid, if you are queer, you have to go through all of that stuff on your own before you choose to tell someone. And it's quite a weird thing because you have to go through something massive all on your own at a very young age. And that has a very long-lasting effect. 
but... Oh, can you hear that? There's been a foul. I can't believe it. Two people on the floor. And what I think this podcast does that makes me really happy and I hear from you guys makes you really happy is through this podcast and other amazing queer platforms we are no longer alone and we can talk about this stuff so that message has cheered me up no end Matthew thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us from the top of that windy hill wherever you may have been and lots of you have been touched about the Tom Allen episode I was talking about earlier actually and his story about swimming in school really seemed to resonate with people because uh, then we were talking about not wanting to be naked and all of that, and so was I. Emma wrote in touch. Hi, Chris. I just had to write and tell you how amazing your chat with Tom Allen was! Exclamation mark. Emma, stop it. wonder if it was my sister, Emma. Do you think that's who it was? Always batting for me, she is. Look, another bloody sports analogy. This has got to stop. Possibly the best episode of Homo Sapiens ever. Well blushing over here emma thank you i can relate to so much of what you and tom were saying about not wanting to be naked as a child getting changed for swimming and i was scared that i'd have to shower in secondary school after pe too although like tom said no one ever did i know it's so funny um as a child i had no notion of being different to my peers so i think with me it was just shyness and no confidence it was only in my early 20s that I realised I wasn't heterosexual. I can't define what letter of LGBTQ I am, though, because I'm just me, with a little shrug emoji. Uh, quite right, Emma. You don't have to say what you are. You don't have to decide. Labels are for other people. You do you. You be happy. Do what makes you happy. End of story. I'm so glad you had Tom on your podcast because your conversation with him was such a comfort. Made me feel that maybe I'm not that odd after all. And there are other people that have the same thoughts and feelings as I do. Love, Emma. Kiss. Love to you, Emma. And absolutely. So I shared this thing on Instagram the other day saying, you know, what makes you weird is probably your greatest asset. And threading back to the femininity thing I was talking about earlier, which I do, you know, I I really like my femininity now. I'm really proud of it. But that has been a long long journey and that was the thing that made me weird at school and people being you know we talked about that with tom allen it's really hard to notice but um it's also really lovely once you kind of realize that liza also resonated with the swimming story so she got in touch from new zealand we're we're so international sometimes i feel like we're the un kia aura from nz thank you for your wonderful podcast pleasure we aim to deliver please subscribe rate and subscribe and share with your friends and rate on apple Podcasts. p.s can people write reviews on apple Podcasts? it's really helpful to get us up the chart gear aura from new zealand thank you for your wonderful podcast i just wanted to share the insight you gave to me when you talked with tom allen about swimming at school my 12 year old son is refusing to go swimming at school as he doesn't like getting changed and seeks a note each week to get out of it well i can relate just bunk mate no i mustn't say that like Tom, he is a talkative, precocious youth. <laughs> I don't know if Tom would like to be um, described like that, but I know that I was a precocious, talkative youth. So I feel frustrated that he can't explain to me more about what the problem is. As a person who identifies as bisexual, I arrogantly thought I had a good and open perspective toward the adolescence experience. Whether my son is LGBTQI or not, hearing this podcast triggered a bit of a light bulb moment for me about how I could show more empathy and also reassuring that his experience around swimming is not as unusual as it seemed to me. I am now pondering whether it would be helpful or not to get said son to listen to his mother's choice of podcast. Oh, definitely, please. Might have to beep out some swearing. So thank you again for your work and the joy you bring to lives around the world. Brightest warm wishes, Liza. 
Thank you so much, Liza. That's really kind. And I can absolutely relate to what your son is going through. And I think lots of people can. And I was talking to another friend about this and talking about how their kid is a bit different, a bit particular, blah, blah. And I think it's just they are experiencing all these things for the first time. And we can't expect them to be able to articulate what it is that is going on for them. But what we can do is listen and try and help them understand that being different in any way, if that's not liking taking your clothes off during swimming, any anything, is not a problem. It's not a problem. It doesn't make you wrong. It's just who you are. If they're doing that, if they're saying they don't want to do something, there is something behind it and it needs to be noticed, it needs to be heard. And I think it's really lovely that you have identified that that is something you want to sort of learn more about and I love it. And hooray for bunking swimming. Although swimming is a lovely sport. We're back on sport. Oh my God. Do you think I'm going to be like Des Lynam? You've got to guess the theme tune. Grandstand. Should I change the theme tune to Homo sapiens for that? Uh, maybe. Now we're a sports podcast. Well, what a lovely bunch of emails. We love hearing from you listeners, so please get in touch. Email your comments, your questions, your agony uncles to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Get in touch with us on Instagram at homosapiens or on Facebook at homosapienspodcast. More good news as we head to LGBTQ plus news for the week. Marvel has announced its first gay Captain America. A teenager who stands for the oppressed and the forgotten is to become the first LGBTQ plus character to take on the mantle of Captain America. This is so good. Marvel Comics is celebrating the 80th anniversary of the US hero with the launch of a new TV series, The United States of Captain America, in which the incumbent Steve Rogers will team up with former Captain America's when his shield goes missing. I will flag listeners am more than aware of Marvel and the um, Marvel Universe. Universe? Universe? Universe. And Captain America, no idea he was called Steve Rogers. Or that he had a shield, quite frankly. Aaron Fisher, a gay teenager, will be the first in this new limited series, released in June, time to coincide with Pride Month in the US. Um, sidebar, does it have to time with Pride Month? Why can't it just happen any time of the year? Um, artist Jan Bazaldua said she had really enjoyed creating Fisher. As a transgender person, I am happy to present an openly gay person who admires Captain America and fight against evil to help those who are almost invisible to society. Marvel reportedly had a no gaze in the Marvel Universe policy in the 1980s and in the 1990s. I did not know that. That's shocking. Placed an adults-only label on any comics featuring LGBTQ plus characters in response to conservative protests. That's sad. But in recent years, Marvel has moved to diversify its cast of superheroes. And in 2015, Iceman, one of the original X-Men created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby back in 1963, came out as gay. Well, congratulations. That's wonderful news. Congratulations, Iceman. A cheerful bit of news. Lovely, lovely, lovely. We like to see it. We like to see more of it. Keep going in that direction, please, people. Now then, as it pains me to move away from talking about sport... Football game's going well, by the way. Can you hear that? Bloody racket. It's time for Topic of the Week. There are studies out there that say that moving in with your partner ruins your sex life. And as we've all been locked up together for the past year, 
I thought it'd be an interesting topic of the week. So we did a little poll which says, does moving in with your partner ruin your sex life was the question. And it was a close one. 47% of you said, yes, it does ruin your sex life. 53% of you said, no. Let's have a look at your replies. Ron Cools got in touch to say, only lack of imagination ruins your sex life, basically. Change rooms, spaces and positions. Keep it fun. Couldn't agree more, Ron. Change rooms is an interesting one. If you're in a flat with flatmates. Limited options, unless your flatmates fancy watching you having sex, which does add its own sense of picante, but um, can scare people off. Amanda Nielsen says, it almost takes the pressure off it. She's talking about moving in with people. It doesn't have to happen twice a day. Four days a week is fine. Four days a week? Blimey, O'Reilly, some of us have got jobs. Really interesting, though, because there is a bit of a sort of... There's one of those Guardian things where they say, how often do you have sex? It's like the Guardian 20 questions. They ask a celebrity each week, and it's sort of one of them is, how often do you have sex? And I think there can be a lot of guilt around how often you should have sex. And four times a week could be right for someone. Once a fortnight could be right for someone else. Slummy Triplet Mummy says she's had more marital sex over lockdown than in years. And I've actually heard that a lot as well, because... People have been able to be together. People have been able to have a quick shag in the afternoon because everyone's working from home, if, everyone, if anyone's lucky enough to have kept their job. And in, in fact, in some ways, has re- brought back the spontaneity rather than leaving the house at seven in the morning, getting back at seven, eight at night. You know, a lot less window for, for a shag. Tallish Swimmer says, not sure if it's related to moving in or length of the relationship or problems of various nature. Rene is lucky, says it depends on the partner. Trick, find partner that is equally horny 24 7 365 well it is you know it's about um it is a good important point about your sexual libido being in step with the person you're in a relationship with it's uh it's good to find a i was gonna say a rhythm it might seem a bit innuendo um it's good to try and find your yeah find your but also you need to be able to discuss if you're not feeling like your rhythm can change i think that's the thing about a long-term relationship you need to be able to say i know i was like this when we met i know i was a horn dog but i'm not anymore as our listener who wrote in a few weeks back about being asexual and asexuality you can be in a relationship and not have sex and if you are both happy with that, that is just as valid a relationship. Zav got in touch on Instagram to say, Routine is the enemy of passion. In my experience, moving in allowed for more intimacy and getting to know my husband better. But also, exposure to a routine that COVID has probably made worse, and that kills spontaneity. We maintained a two-year distance relationship whilst we lived in different countries, and we would see each other once or twice a month on weekends only. We had a better sex life then than now that we've lived together for eight years. Well, the thing that people don't talk about is that relationships develop, you know, and you will go through patches when you do have loads of sex and you'll go through patches when you don't. And neither of those is correct or the successful version. I think that it's your, if you're in a long-term relationship with someone, there is a natural ebb and flow. And also, like, for example... Like there's whole periods where you just don't feel like it. And I think that we all make each other feel like you're supposed to be having wild sex while also doing an amazing job and, you know, going on amazing holidays, blah, blah. It's all rubbish. It's all complete rubbish. And the more people talk about it, the better. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, Michael. Hi, Homo Sapiens. It's Michael from London. Uh, yes, I think it does. But I also think it means you've got to work more at it because things get sort of taken for granted. Uh, you know, you, before living together, I've been with my partner for six years, lived together for five. And when we lived in separate flats, you see each other, we know each other's flats, so things happen. Living at home, you've got to work at it. It's like having the keys to the candy shop. You know, you have candy every day, get a bit bored of candy, all that type of lemon bonbon. What do you say about lemon bonbons? Get a bit bored of candy, or that type of lemon bonbon. I didn't think I'd see us talking about lemon bonbons in this conversation, but yes, you do have to work at it. Now, Marion's been in touch. I don't think that moving in together is necessarily the issue for couples that are together for a long time and um, might find it more difficult having sex. I think that living together might mean that uh, it's more likely that the relationship is longer term and in a long-term relationship it's likely that a partner might be going through a really stressful time which may not necessarily need to have to do with the relationship it could be stress at work or family or friend stress or health issues and um, being stressed may make it harder to be in the right headspace for sex yes exactly the thing about moving in together like she's saying it means it's probably a longer term relationship which means you know um, other things will be going on because over time things happen in our lives and stress is a real passion killer and actually it's one of the things that I think I find more and more in this you know 2021 world particularly with COVID and stuff you know loads of people losing their jobs and stuff and it's not a very sexy time quite frankly and when my very sadly my dad was dying um, which took, uh, you know, it took a long time. Absolutely, just completely did took my mind off ever having sex. I just the stress of dealing with that and um, trying to work out how to best get his treatment, etc., was I can definitely relate to that, Marion. Um, that it really removed that, but also it can be a lot of people with work and like day to day stuff or family relationship stuff. Really worth remembering to not punish ourselves or think that we should be. We shouldn't be putting pressure on ourselves to, you know, to deliver, as they say. Ollie's got a voice note for us. Hello. Um, I think moving in with your partner definitely can kill your sex life. And I say this from experience, unfortunately. Uh, I think when you live with someone, you definitely learn the ways in which each other functions and ticks. And a lot of that stuff can be very unsexy. And I don't think a conversation about gas and electric bills works as much of an aphrodisiac either. Um, but ultimately, I think especially in queer relationships, we're all totally unique. So for some people, having a whole house to yourself might be nothing but pure thrills and um, <laughs> sex. But it definitely wasn't the case for me. Anyway, loving the podcast. Bye. Yes, absolutely. Gas and electric bills. Bit of a passion killer. 
But, you know, we have to learn to have them living, working alongside each other, I suppose. Also, where do people stand on not farting in front of your other half? Lots of people have that thing about maintaining a mystique and, like, not farting in front of each other, not really acknowledging that they poo. Sadly, I'm not that graceful. <laughs> I'm a let-it-all-out kind of person. Love me as I am, he says, farting in front of Bake Off. But thank you, Ollie. So true and much appreciated for your message. Lowry's been in touch and Lowry thinks it's way better when living together. So let's have a listen to that. I think no, because you don't get tired from the commute. Uh, Secondly, there's potentially not anyone listening next door. And thirdly, my partner and I used to live in a house share with nine cats and other people knocking about. So that would kind of ruin the atmosphere. So I think it's absolutely way better when you're living together. Yes, Lowry. Lowry? Sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. The less cats and people mooching about, the more likely you can get a shag in, isn't it? Yeah, I think a, a couple being able to have their private space can actually also be really, can be really great for a relationship because so often young relationships, new relationships, like, you know, you'll both live in house shares and then one of you moves into the other's house share and that can be the beginnings. Not having your own space is, is really hard. And just from, yeah, like from an architectural perspective, do you want to be having sex? Uh, with other people being able to hear it. I didn't, like, some people don't mind when someone's heard them having sex. I'm just, I think I'm too English. I'm, I'm like, if I think someone can hear me, I don't like it. Wish I had more abandon, but I don't, and I'm not sorry. Well, what a wonderful broad spectrum. I think it's time to involve the one, the only, Karen Gurney, who is an amazing psychosexologist. She's an expert in helping individuals and couples overcome their sexual challenges, and she hands out a ton of amazing advice on her Instagram page, which is at the sex doctor. I have been so inspired by so much of the walls she's broken down, taboos. She's normalised so many things that you feel are not spoken about love her so follow her she's also written a book called mind the gap about how to future proof your sex life so let's give karen a call hello karen it's christopher sweeney hi so i'm going to start karen by asking you the question that we've been asking all our wonderful listeners does moving in together kill your sex life so this is an interesting question because the research tells us that when we move in with someone the amount of sex that we're having goes up and then drops. And it's safe to say that people will see a change in their sex life once they move in with someone. And let me explain why. The first thing to say is that when it comes to sex and how our brains register what we call sexual stimuli, so something our brain notices as sexual, our brains really like variety and novelty. Mm. So as somebody becomes more familiar to us, as they are more present in our daily environment, and as we start to associate them with other non-sex related things like washing up and folding laundry, our brains don't register them as much as a sexual stimuli. Can I use this as an excuse to my husband why I shouldn't do any washing up or folding clothes? <laughs> you, you certainly can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can say that I told you that. Um, this is why if we see someone out and about, we might instantly think of sex when we look at them because that's the only association we have with them and they're a new stimulus 
if we see our partner, we might not always have that same thought, even if we still find them attractive. Mm. So that happens. Um, it's not something to worry about. The second factor is that there is something about having less cues to be sexual when you move in with someone. So if you think about a date that you go on, when you're planning the date, you're anticipating what might happen. Mm. You're thinking about it. You're fantasizing about it. You prepare for it. Both of you or more than two of you, if there's more than two of you involved, know that that's what's on the agenda. The problem when you move in with someone can be that there is lots more time to have sex, but there are no distinct cues that it's going to happen. There's nothing to trigger it like there might have been before. Mm. The third factor is you tend to see a bit of a reduction in what I call sexual currency. So the amount that you relate to each other as sexual partners. So you might find that you spend more of the time relating to each other in a friendship way, in a, a housemate way. Uh, for some listeners, it might be even in a co-parent way, but less time relating to each other as sexual partners. That all the conversations that you have or the texts that you share are about, can you pick up some green milk on your way home? Mm. <laughs> and not about, you looked really hot this morning, I wanted to do X. If listeners think back to, for example, yesterday, those listeners that are perhaps living with someone, and think about how much time in that day they spent relating to their partner as more than a friend or more than a housemate, and how many minutes in total that sexual currency added up to, it's probably very few. It's probably like a minute or five minutes, if that. And if you think about when you're um, hooking up with someone or when you're dating someone, the time that you spend together tends to have much more sexual currency to it, much more undivided attention, much more passionate kissing, much more flirting, all of those things. And sexual currency is part of what triggers us to think about sex and keep sex on the agenda. And is there a thing that I remember someone telling me in passing years ago, but here I am with an expert so I can actually get some intel. Um, do <laughs> Is it true that when you first meet someone, the chemical that rushes through your body is serotonin. But when you're deeper into a relationship, it becomes oxytocin, which is more the kind of cuddle chemical. And therefore, what you feel towards each other does change and it becomes softer and less about banging each other's brains out. So it's not true in that those chemicals are present the whole way through. And oxytocin tends to be a hormone we we have in spades kind of after we've been sexual with someone or after orgasm. Mm. Um, but we do know that there are different phases of lust and attraction and that the phase that you might experience at the beginning when you don't know somebody very well, a phase that we sometimes call limerence, is a phase oh, of kind that. of a maddening. It's great, yeah? It's kind mm. of like a maddening desire, a kind of a can't-keep-your-hands-off-each-other type thing. That can't really last forever. And for some people, that limerence phase, that early kind of maddening, crazy for someone thing is really quite alluring. And they're kind of tempted to kind of go back there because it's it's so attractive. Um, yes. But it's also quite stressful because you can't get any work done. <laughs> You, you know, you forget about your friends, you don't do all your <laughs> usual activities, and you can't actually exist like that forever. So it's quite handy, it doesn't last. God, that's so true. And Catelyn Moran wrote a great article about the maintenance shag. Um, yes. And I wondered what you think about scheduling sex in a relationship. And is that, is that the, the death of all romance? Or is that an important thing to do? Mm. 
I love this question. Um, so I'm really against scheduling sex um, because for the same reasons I talked earlier about the fact that our brains don't like, uh, they, they like variety and novelty. Our brains hate pressure when it comes to sex. Oh. There's nothing like feeling you have to do it to really not find it that exciting a prospect. Well, that's freed up my week. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, one of the, the real risks is not, putting sex on the agenda at all mm. and as i mentioned earlier without the cues for sex to happen sex often doesn't happen and especially if you've been together a long period of time or you live with someone you might find that your spontaneous desire for sex so feeling like it out of the blue drops a little bit that's perfectly normal in a long-term relationship what doesn't tend to drop is what we call responsive desire so that's when you can trigger desire by thinking about or doing something sexual so the problem is, if you don't plan any sexual cues, if you don't spend any time passionately kissing because it's fallen off the agenda, if you don't spend any time naked together, if you don't talk about sex together, if you don't watch porn together, whatever it might be, mm. you might find that you never think about sex and never want it. And that's mm. fine if that's OK for you. So instead of scheduling sex, what I suggest people do is schedule time for sexual currency. So thinking about putting in those sexual cues. So that could be something like making a regular time, however often you want that to be, where you don't schedule sex, but you do say on Tuesday night, let's make that the night that we go to bed, hang out, drink wine, talk about our day, kiss, just be together. And that physical contact of your bodies together that no pressure environment where you're really connecting, that kissing without it having to mean somebody wants something, that's the kind of thing that triggers desire. Mm. So scheduling sex, uh, definitely not in my book, but scheduling something where sex may be triggered really good as long as there's no pressure for it to go anywhere. Mm. Fascinating. And... I wanted to ask you, there is something to do with relationships and the concept of lesbian bed death. And mm. I wondered if you would be able to talk a little bit about that and its specifics. Yes, I would love to. As a lesbian myself, I would love to talk about this as well. So mm. lesbian bed death um, is a term that was used colloquially and also in science in the 80s. And what it was referring to is an idea that women who have sex with women would eventually just stop having sex and lose interest in sex. And it was talked about and written about in research papers as a real thing. Mm. We now know that lesbian bed death is a complete myth. So mm. women who have sex with women, um, we know have more se sexual satisfaction than women who have sex with men, including longer sex sessions, uh, more orgasms and less of an orgasm gap. So mm. women who have sex with women actually have super satisfying sex lives. And desire, so what lesbian bed death is really referring to, for women who have sex with women works exactly like desire, of course, for women who have sex with men, which mm. means that Many women in long-term relationships re report a drop in spontaneous desire. And actually, 
more than many, it should be considered the norm for there to be a big drop in spontaneous desire for women, especially in long-term relationships. But I should say for men too. Mm. I should say that although I'm talking in quite a binary way at this point in time, that's because a lot of sex science historically has been done in a binary way. And all there are, there is much more sex science coming out now around non-binary identities, but there isn't enough to make any global sweeping statements. So apologies for the binary language. Part of the problem, though, of lesbian bed death as a thing is that even though it's been disputed, many women in relationships with other women still believe in it. Mm-hmm. And it can stop them making the changes that might be needed in their sex life as they kind of see it as the start of some sort of inevitable decline. And that's where it can be quite dangerous, I think. Mm, very interesting that you say that, because I think what what we all as queer people deal with is a lot of kind of baked in shame from the word go and then yes. sex has a lot of baked in shame to do um in it as well oh and i think gosh, some, doesn't you, it you can sort of fuse the two and think well it must be something i'm doing wrong is why my sex life has died as opposed to it being yes. actually these are very very common things that happen and being lgbtq plus there are so many detailed specifics about the kind of sex that you want and like and there's no school on how to be lgbtq plus so yeah. h- how do you how do you ask for what you want in the bedroom in yeah. a way that makes you feel safe yeah th- these are two big topics but also you're quite right they're interrelating topics because to ask for what you want you have to also address the shame of wanting what you want mm. um so if we start with the shame aspect of it first i think It's important to recognise that we're all raised, regardless of sexual or gender identity, in a sex-negative culture. Uh, Not even a sex-neutral culture, but sex-negative. So Mm. we're all socialised to think that something bad comes of sex, basically, um, and we shouldn't do it. And we're not taught from a young age about all the good things that can come from sex and that sex actually often results in pleasure more than it results in STIs or anything else that people are worried about. Mm. So it's a real uphill struggle from kind of childhood onwards. And it can be, of course, as you say, much harder for queer people because there's that added complexity of something about the sex that I want is much more shameful or something about who I am, if it's gender identity, is much more shameful than it is for cis straight people. So sex and shame can become linked through those heteronormative or cis heteronormative ideas. And it's really easy to absorb them and then feel wrong, as you say. It's interesting to note there is some research to say that some of the things that positively impact that are coming out and being part of the queer community. Mm. And that those are two things that really start to address that shame and knock it on the head. So that's quite useful to know, I think. Uh, Another thing that really makes a difference is um, sex positive media. So whether that's queer sex positive media or just surrounding yourself with sex positive social media accounts or Mm. TV and film are all really useful about the shame perspective. Um, But it is a really important factor. And because of that, we really have to work hard, don't we, to ask for what we want because we're coming from a place of not being socialised to talk about sex and being socialised to feel like being assertive around sex is wrong. So what that amounts to is a lack of practice. So we avoid it. It's a bit tricky. It's a bit shameful. It's difficult. We're told not to do it. So we can cut into a habit of 
not doing it very often, not talking or asking for what we want very often. And that, of course, makes it harder because the less you talk about sex, the harder it is to do it. Even just saying the words can be really difficult. Mm. So framing them into a sentence of what you're asking for with someone who you want to impress can then be especially hard. So the first thing is to practice more talking about sex. And that's something we should all do more of. Or perhaps not me, because I do it all day, every day. I should maybe <laughs> talk about sex less, quite frankly. But please never stop. Practice <laughs> practice more with with friends. So first try and talk more with friends about it. Mm. Find someone you can talk with. If you can't talk, you can do it by email or text or whatever. Then practice talking with partners. A good way to start is by talking about sex that doesn't involve you and those partners. Mm -hmm. So talking about, oh, for example, everyone's talking about like Bridgerton. So you could talk about that. Did you see that scene? What did you think of it with partners is a way to depersonalize it a little bit Mm -hmm. and test the waters with things you might want to say to them. And then Imagine you get to that phase and you think, actually, there are things I really want to say to my sexual partners about what I want in sex. Then if you're up to that stage, the best thing to do is to phrase it by using um, three key strategies. So the first is to talk about what you like or love about sex with them that you want to continue. Mm -hmm. So I find it really hot when you do this, et cetera, et cetera. Then say what it is that you miss or what it is that you'd like more of so do you remember when we used to do that um i really loved that oh it'd be great to bring that back or have you you know i'd really like it if we could try this together and then finally this is the icing on the cake to talk about how you think it would benefit you and them and your sex life together so if we did more of X, I really think it would make us feel this or it would make me feel this or it would be blah, blah, blah. Mm. So something about the intended consequences of doing it. For some people, the consequences are that they'd enjoy sex more. For some, it's that it would increase their desire. For others, it, it's that it would make them feel closer. For others, it's that um, bringing in a bit of difference would make them feel there was longevity in their sex life together. So there's always a consequence that will benefit both of you, that's useful for people to know of. But I think the most important thing that I would really encourage people to do, whether they're in casual or longer term relationships or whatever it is, is just to try and create a culture of talking regularly. Because the worst time to try and talk about sex is when you've never really talked about it together. It's It feels like a really big deal. Um, the best time to do it is when it's kind of incidental. And it's easier to drop things in. And the more you talk about it, the easier it is. Yeah, and I love that talking about it with a friend. That's really interesting. Thank you so much. And can, no problem. I, can I ask you, we have an agony uncle section on the show. And we've got a question that I thought you would be particularly well placed to help me answer. Go for it. So it's about relationships. Um, and it just says, how can I do a better job at controlling my jealousy? Okay, so without knowing more about the context, let's just throw a few ideas out there. Mm. So the first thing I'm interested in is knowing a bit more about the relationship that they have with the other person. So I'm interested in how secure they feel in the relationship and whether it's a relationship stage issue. Mm -hmm. And that can be quite normal in different stages of relationships to feel a bit uncertain and a bit uneasy and a bit jealous. 
I don't know whether they're in an open or um, a monogamous relationship and that may come into it for them or not. That could be worth exploring. Mm. Um, but I'm interested in what the jealousy is saying to them about how worthy they feel of being with this person. Because sometimes with jealousy, no amount of reassurance from the other partner is enough. And it can be something around feeling anxious that the person will leave or feeling anxious that somehow you're not good enough. And if that's the case, those types of things, um, yes, you can ask for reassurance on them and that can sometimes be helpful. And sometimes they can just go away with the passage of time as you get more secure in a relationship. But they can also be things that could be useful to talk about in therapy. Not everyone needs therapy for that, of course. But sometimes there can be background reasons why you feel on edge about people leaving that might be to do with things that have happened in the past. Mm. So that's one idea. Amazing advice. And I think what is really great about this person who's written in is you are identifying it in yourself. And that can be a massive step towards coming to sorting it out because noticing patterns in yourself that aren't useful yes. can be a huge thing that is really hard to do. And actually, like you say, it's about assessing why Why are you feeling jealous? Is that something to do with you or is that to do with um, someone else? You know, Because people can gaslight people in relationships and they can. behave badly they can. and put it on them. And and just adding to what you were saying, I think there's also something around how we frame jealousy as a society. And jealousy is often perceived as a negative emotion. And if you actually think about what's happening when people feel jealous, they are valuing the thing that they have got and they are frightened to lose it. And that's actually not such a bad thing in relationships. Mm. Um, it's almost the polar opposite to complacency. <laughs> and complacency is not great either let me tell you no well we were just it's talking about of, sex weren't we <laughs> we were and it's kind of useful to value what you've got and to be frightened of losing it within yes. reason it depends how much it's affecting this person but i also you know i wonder how what it would be like for them to reframe their jealousy in a more positive way um as long as they feel they're able to not let it get in the way of their relationship yeah and i think it is you know it's uh if you if you're in a good relationship i think you should be able to talk about it with your partner and just say look yes I, you know i'm really sorry this is where i'm at it's a two two person thing isn't it or three or four yes <laughs> and a little bit of jealousy can actually be really good for your sex life and we know that from sex science as well yes I so bet. seeing your sexual partners through another person's eyes is actually really good for igniting desire. So it's mm. not something you want to do away with completely. Brilliant. Who knew? Karen, you're amazing. I love, I love, love, love your account. You know, sex and queer people and shame and enlightenment is just everything we need more of. We do indeed. I second that. Thank you. It's been great to be on. That was even more delightful than I thought it was going to be. I love her. Thank you so much, Karen, for taking the time to chat to us. I know that all of our listeners will be so inspired by that chat. Go and follow her at The Sex Doctor on Instagram for more breaking down of barriers and taboos around sex. Now it's time for Culture Club. You've all been going mad for Line of Duty film and TV. Line of Duty apparently had like the biggest viewing figures ever or something. The first episode 
all of you have been watching it. Gav Wilco has been watching Broad City. Love Broad City. Jim Jong-il has been watching The Voyeur. Chris Steikins has been watching La Veneno. Don't know what that is. Gregster's been watching The Flight Attendant. Hugo has finally finished Ozark Season 3. Well done, Hugo. What have I been watching? Nothing. Because when you're making a TV show, the last thing you want to do is watch a TV show. So, well, that's not strictly true, actually. I watch Graham Norton because I adore Graham Norton. Always have, always will. Deborah Meaden was on because she was promoting the new series of Dragon's Den. Now, I am an obsessive of Dragon's Den. Absolutely obsessed. So, very excited about a new series. What's in store? Maybe I'll watch that tonight. I don't mind telling people that I've got a VPN blocker so I can watch the BBC over here in Australia. Is that illegal? I don't know. But all I'm going to say is I pay my licence fee. So, sue me. Will I get sued? Don't know. Help. Plane going overhead. Apologies. Qantas? Probably. You know me. I know planes. Um, I don't. Books. Someone's been reading a book called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. That seems cool. Unfortunately, it's chopped off the top as to who it was. Someone has been reading Persian Gardens by Penelope Hobhouse. R. Musman has been reading Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu and The Broken Kingdoms by N.K. Jemison. Craven North has been watching, has been reading Michael Foucault's History of Sexuality Parts 1, 2 and 3. I'm preparing to start a PhD in September. Well, good luck, Craven. What an interesting book. Now, Michael Foucault, famous um, philosopher, am I right? And Chrissy Steikins has been reading less, which is by Andrew Sean Greer, which is a brilliant queer story. Lee Fuller has been reading The Last Romeo by Justin Myers. Ooh, cool. Now, what have you all been listening to? Colin is listening to Vintage Britney. I love it, he says. And Lee's been listening to Peggy Goo. Great choice. Now, Vintage Britney. So you know who Sean Fay is? Sean is a sort of trans writer and um, activist and probably many other things but I am a big fan of Sean and follow her on Instagram and it was her birthday and she posted about Mariah Carey Honey that video and it was so good that video and that song and she was saying how she loved the song and I was like god that song is just one of my favourite like all time favourites and then so I went on a whole music wormhole I, was, I listened to Mariah Carey Honey then I went into Dream Lover then I went on to JLo Waiting for Tonight then I went on to JLo Ain't It Funny and just had a wonderful little 20-minute disco in my room. Oh, and then I was listening to someone else who I wanted to tell you about. The song is called This Bitter Earth by Veronica Swift. It's a singer. I think she's done like a sort of old American, old school American songbook. Another goal. Another goal is called. Come on, lads. Um, called This Bitter Earth. And it's such a beautiful, classic, old song. And it sounds like, look it up, it sounds like when Adele first came out, came about, I found her on MySpace because the singer Jack Pignati was friends with her. So I sort of heard about Adele very early on in her career and had a meeting with her once, actually. Very nice person. But that's by the by here. She had some songs on her MySpace, which I wish I could find because they were subsequently deleted from her MySpace. And they were just these beautiful, soulful songs. Anyway, they were simple and they were beautiful. And this um, song by Veronica Swift reminds me of that stuff that I found of Adele's from the very beginning. So um, I was really happy to discover it. So go and have a listen to her. It's... Um, really good and then another artist i was listening to this week was someone called 
B I I G P I I G. Big Pig, maybe? A song called Feels Right, which actually I heard on Jordan Stevens. Do you know Jordan Stevens from Rizzle Kicks? He is amazing. And he just posted a song with a, a, a story with that. It's the soundtrack or something. I can't quite remember why. Anyway, I love, I love him. So have a listen to that. Mary's been listening to Katie Tunstall. Tommy G has been listening to JP, Jacob Collier. Cindy Hess has been listening to The Roop. And John delving into John Grant's music. John Grant, who is our theme tune, is a theme tune for Homo sapiens, the kindest man in the world, let us use it. David M. Parrott has been listening to Lana Del Rey Chemtrails Over the Country Club. CJ Scott Miller's been listening to Dancing with the Devil by Demi Lovato. Love Demi Lovato, obsessed. Rari C has been listening to Lion Babe, only bloody Vanessa Williams' daughter, and she is a vibe. I had no idea that was Vanessa Williams' daughter. I love Lion Babe. Treat Me Like Fire, that song by her, is amazing. It was, I think it was her first single. The video is really cool as well. Couple Kissing in the Park. Don't move in together, whatever you do. Ruin your sex life. That's not true. As voted by Homo Sapiens listeners. And what have you been cooking, listeners? Well, I've been having, because it's Easter coming up, I had a hot crust bun, which was delightful. Such a treat. Went to Woolworths, bought some hot crust buns. And then I've been having lovely shakshuka. Eggs baked in tomato. And stuff. It's such an easy, simple meal, but really filling and really healthy. Oh, d- did you hear that notification, listeners? Oh, hang on, another one. Tommy G has been doing cauliflower katsu curry with sticky rice and tender stem broccoli. Yum! David Parrott's been doing Nigella's old-fashioned sandwich loaf. Love Nigella. Hugo made leek spinach and Gruyere toasted sandwich. Shit the bed, Hugo. If you don't send the recipe, I'll cry. How do you do the? Le- how do you incorporate the leek in there? Do you cook it before? I love Gruyere. I love buying some Gruyere and just having it in the fridge and slicing it. Gregster's been having enchiladas. Colin Escunchen's been having braised pork ribs, Middle Eastern lentil soup, lemon poppy seed cake. Colin, bit of a chef in our hands here. Ah, Musman's been having cinnamon rolls. Get in my mouth. Craven made a leek potato and Stilton pie and it was fab. Yum. Not a fan of Stilton myself, Craven, but I respect your choices. I support you. I send you love. We've got such a lovely episode for you next week. As we are heading into lockdown being lifted in the UK, we're doing a piece about LGBT safe spaces and Greenwood Cafe set up by Oscar Hansen and Zach Riding. And Oscar is a drag queen, among many other things. Zach is a DJ, among many other things too. And they've set up Edinburgh's first queer cafe. It's like an LGBT safe space. It's booze free, which I think is also really, really interesting. It's such a fascinating chat with them. And so interesting about how um, as the world sort of wakes up to being far more respectful to LGBTQ plus people and stuff that we still are quite behind the curve on catering spaces for LGBTQ plus people under 18. And Zach has a really interesting story about going to Pride. And, you know, if you're going to Pride and you're 17... That could be an amazing day for you. But then after the Pride March, nowhere you can go. It's all all it's all it's nightclubs with bouncers on the door. And there are really no spaces for younger queer people. And as it seems that people are feeling that they are able to come out younger and younger, these are such important spaces. And also really important spaces that don't centre around alcohol or a nightlife. That's not when queerness should have to come out it should be all the time anyway they are both a complete laugh which is is such a brilliant chat me and alan chatting to them and actually came about through a friend of alan so really excited cannot wait for you to hear that and please get in touch 
Email your comments, questions and agony uncles to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. We love, love, love hearing from you. Get in touch on Instagram at homosapiens and on Facebook at homosapienspodcast. This has been such a pleasure. What a wonderful episode of Grandstand. I'm going to go and stand on the sidelines of this football game and pretend to blow a whistle and see if anyone stops. Loads of love, listeners. Stay in touch and goodbye. 